Welcome to the O'Reilly Security Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Nash. In this episode, O'Reilly's Jen Webb talks with Fang Yu, co-founder and CTO at Datavisor. They discuss sniffing out fraudulent sleeper cells, incubation in money transfer fraud, and adopting a more proactive stance against fraud. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Radar Podcast, Fang. Yeah, thank you for having me. So let's get going with a bit about your background and what you're up to now. Sure. Um, my bi- background is actually in um, security research. Um, I worked as at Microsoft Research for over seven years, um, working with many internal product groups, helping um, secure um, uh, Microsoft's uh, uh, like online portals like Hotmail, Bing, etc. We see a lot of like a fraudulent attack to those uh, properties. Um, before that, I actually had my PhD um, from UC Berkeley. My PhD thesis is in network security, uh, where I do deep packeting inspections. Um, now, um, uh, after leaving Microsoft Research, um, uh, about three years ago, uh, me and my co-founder, Inglian, started a data visor. Uh, we are a big com- uh, data a fraud detection solution, which use unsupervised analytics to detect malicious account campaigns. Um, these are like a lot of like bad accounts um, for me, uh, controlled by the organized crimes. But we want to detect them before they ad- conduct any damages to like uh, banks, to consumer-facing websites or mobile apps. Interesting. So how would you describe our current fraud landscape? If you look at um, many uh, years ago, um, I think the first generation of the solution is mostly um, like uh, rule engines or like uh, um, customized code. Typically, uh, like online services, when they see attack, what they will do is that, oh, I see the attack coming this way and the attack have this behavior. For example, they from coming from this IP address, they use this user agent, they conduct this type of uh, attacks. Then um, um, the engineers will write a rule or actually have a customer a piece of customized code to actually stop such um, attacks from happening in the future. But that is actually pretty manual and also it's very reactive. You see the attack um, happening and then you kind of rescue it mm-hmm. and preventing it from uh, happening again. In uh, in the past few years, machine learning has also um, taken a big role. Um, there are a lot of like advanced in machine learning techniques, and then uh, we, we hear a lot of breakthrough in machine learning, um, especially for voice and image recognition, etc. There are also like an application for machine learning to um, to the fraud detection. But it's a little bit challenge because machine learning, as you know, they need labels. Uh, they need the good users and the bad user. What is a good behavior? What is bad behavior? But many cases for um, fraud cases, attackers actually constantly evolve. Their patterns actually change very quickly. So in order to detect that, you will need to know what they will do next. Mm-hmm. That's actually ultimately hard. And in some cases, for example, financial transactions, you will have uh, chargeback labels from the bank because someone see their uh, credit card got abused and then call the bank and then the, the, um, the, we will have a label. But that actually comes very late, sometimes even months. So by the time you have a, like a model to train, um, the tech already changed their behavior. That's why uh, machine learning is actually great, but um, when applied to security, you need a little bit more like uh, um, customized solutions and a little bit more twist. At DataVisor, uh, we actually do a little bit different from the traditional rule-based and machine learning-based approaches. We do unsupervised detections, which do not need labels. So the high-level um, intuition that 
if you look at today's modern attackers, they actually are not using like a single account to conduct fraud. Uh, if they have a single account, how many fraud they can attend to conduct, it's very limited. What they usually do is they actually um, construct an army of uh, fraud uh, accounts and then either through like a mass registration or through account takeover. And they have this uh, different like uh, fraud accounts. Then each of them, they could conduct a little fraud. They can do like spamming, they can do phishing, they can do all kinds of different bad activities. But in together, because they have many accounts, they conduct massive attacks. Um, for um, from data visor, the approach we take is called unsupervised approach. We do not look at the individual users anymore. And we look at the, um, all the users' holistic view and look at the users' correlations and their linkage. And then we use um, methods like uh, graph analysis and then clustering techniques, et cetera, to identify these froster uh, rings. So we can identify them even while they are sleeping. So we call them sleeper cells. <laughs> Wow. So what what exactly would you say is the biggest threat we're facing right now? It sounds like we're up against quite a lot. Yeah, I think the biggest threat we are um, facing right now is that actually um, the frosters are now um, have almost uh, unlimited resources and they also have equipment with advanced technologies. Um, they can access to like um, a lot of resources, for example, data center um, uh, resources, and they also have like a um, under market chains of someone specialized in like a creating accounts, someone specializing in getting the um, fraudulent uh, like stolen credit card, someone is uh, specialized in taking over some existing event, uh, user's account. So they can get all kinds of resources from underground market. And then um, sometimes they um, have even more resource, uh, like uh, more information than the normal users. For example, they get the uh, like a credit report. They know exactly where this user lived like, three years ago, five years ago, and where did they work, etc. So the amount of information they have is actually very accurate. And so that, that makes them very easy to impersonate a person. For online service pro um, providers, when they see requests actually coming in online, it's very hard for them to actually distinguish whether this is actually coming from a real user versus this is actually coming from a foster. So I think that's a, a biggest um, threat that we are actually facing right now. Right, right. And so you talked a little bit about some machine learning approaches, and you mentioned the the need for customized solutions. So what what are some of the answers you see going forward? Yeah, um, I I think the um, my advertise is actually we want to actually use big data and not necessarily customize solutions, but we need advanced algorithms to um, identify uh, these uh, fosters. We actually need to look at not only the individual users, because if you look at the individual users, the method you can apply is most like a rule-based machine learning, or you can say abnormally detection. You say normal users usually do like, a, they um, they log into account and then they do a little bit like a, a browsing and then they do bank transactions. If someone logging at like 3 a.m. directly do a bank transaction, that's suspicious. But there are some cases that actually normal users do that. I mean, some, some people actually work late, need to do a bank trans transfer um, at the midnight. So what we advertise is that we 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 think we need actually big data solutions as well to look at holistic view of all the users' behavior and how they actually connect with each other and the correlation and the linkage between the users. Because as I mentioned before, these fraudsters usually actually conduct a large amount of attacks and they create many different user accounts. So looking at all these sub 
subtle linkage and the correlation between the users can help us identify these um, suspicious activity early on, even before they uh, conduct the attack. For example, when the user account is registered, even before they conduct the uh, money transfer, we can detect those. And then we also think uh, we should also use telemetry information. If you uh, look at the there are a lot of a commonality of this, these fosters. Even at the very last stage, they may actually display different activity. For example, some do spam, some do phishing, and some do like a um, malicious um, installs and a fake like, etc. In the end, their behavior is all different. It, it's kind of a customized to the um, to the online service, what features they offer. But in the uh, back, it's all account issues. And the way they actually conducted their attacks are also um, shared in many of the different attacks. So I think telemetry information is also very important to keep it to keep an eye on across different uh, um, industries. Right. Can you walk us through like a, a recent real world example that, that you've gone through um, without naming names, of course, we wouldn't want to do that, but could could you walk us through a situation? Um, walk through a situation how the Froster actually um, uh, conduct attacks? Well, right, and how, how, you've, how you caught them. Yeah, so um, there are many different uh, situations. Let me think of one that actually, um, so for example, um, uh, we see a pretty smart, like a money transfer uh, attack that the fraudster actually do. Um, so when they actually set up um, different accounts to do the money transfer, um, the, they in the very beginning, they do a little bit testing. They create accounts and then they do a little bit testing. It's all very legitimate, very small amount. And then they send it to different users as well. Um, so they all look very legitimate and they use uh, the legitimate like a banking information. So there is no um, kind of a chargeback for that. But quickly after that, um, they incubated for, um, uh, I think in that case, it's two or three weeks. They start to using these um, accounts actually to do uh, bigger transactions, much bigger transactions, because they already kind of established uh, um, the reputation for these accounts. And then they start actually doing the, the fraudulent transactions. So that's one of the typical trends that we see in the um, the the attack in the wild. And it's many of the actually uh, fraudsters do incubate a long time. And then for our analysis, we find like more than like one quarter of the accounts actually do incubate. And they incubate for more than 30 days. They do this to that so that these accounts look legitimate. They have reputation as established. And then after 30 days later, they start attacking. And then um, probably over I think over um, 11% of the users actually incubated more than 100 days. There is a one extreme case that we saw in the wild is that a group of uh, accounts were actually aged for more than three years before they start attacking. Wow. Yeah, that's actually a really extreme case. I think the Serious patients. Really, <laughs> that's very patient in that case. Holy cow. Um, so, okay, let's look uh, at more specifically at your work at Datavisor. Can you talk a little bit about the research that you're working on? Yeah, we are actually doing a lot of research on the um, how to detect the fraudsters and also looking at the um, how the, the the new trend that the fraudster, the technology they are using and the, the, the trend that they are um, having. So I'm happy to share a few trends that we are actually observing um, uh, for our research. The first trend that we saw um, is the attackers actually become um, very um, uh, smart and also they attack different um, uh, surface of the, the app. 
I think traditionally, if you think most of fraudsters do like um, spam, that's actually pretty um, simple ones. You, and they, they send spam, they have like a penny, like a stock, or they have phishing, they scam. And or they, if they go to an um, e-commerce site, they do um, financial transactions, they, they start purchase, they do money transfer. So these are pretty like a simple fraud. But nowadays, we actually see the fraud is actually pretty uh, uh, complex. For example, many of the platforms we see actually offer a lot of like different functions. Uh, if you look at the e-commerce um, um, platform, sometimes they offer reviews. Um, they will let the users write the reviews about the product and they let the users do the rating. They let the users actually do like. And all of these actually can be leveraged by the fraudsters. They can write fake reviews and they can actually um, put in the um, bad links in the reviews and they can also want to promote their own product. Um, so they, they do a lot of fake like. And now we also see a new trend of actually going to by the old days of having a fake like an impression now uh, to clicks and now to actually fraudulent installs. Because in the gaming companies, uh, when they have actually um, games to new games coming out, they need to purchase um, uh, users to play these games. I think old days, I think people buy like a $50 uh, Xbox game and then play with it. And then nowadays, many of the games are free. But uh, um, for these uh, um, gaming uh, providers, a, a new game they need to actually purchase the um, the u- users from different media sources, and it can be pretty expensive, a few dollars per install. So the fraudsters actually not, and they start to um, emulate the new normal user and starting to download these games and pretending they are actually a legitimate media source so that they can get a lot of money actually but just downloading and fake playing the games that actually payoff is actually more than 400 times more than a fake uh, click or impression oh wow yeah um yeah that's actually the the first trend we see like attack is getting a lot more uh, complex and also going different ways um the second uh, trend as i mentioned is that um the the fraudsters are very patient. We see they incubate a lot. It's actually very common across all of our um, clients and the data we see. Um, the third one that um, I want to mention is that um, attackers are also very um, advanced in using the tools. Um, uh, I think now, nowadays many of the online services are moving to the cloud. Everybody is going to the cloud. Attackers are going to the cloud as well. <laughs> they use uh, uh, a lot of like a hosting hosted um, service to really skirt the IP blacklist and make sure that they're um, um, they want to they can get any IP they want in any country um, using the cloud services and then the cloud services um, IPs also have very good bandwidth so they can launch large number of attacks from there we see like a, a lot of attacks sophisticated ones are launching from the um, cloud services and so that they cover their tail uh, really well so you would say cloud services are making fraud quite a bit easier maybe or is is it just different yeah cloud services actually are leveraged by the attackers um, um, to conduct fraud but I I would say that not all um, traffic consumer traffic on data center IP address are actually bad I think someone may um, one may actually think there shouldn't be actually normal user traffic from data centers because normal user, if you look at what we use, it's usually consumer IP ranges like um, the AT&T phone ranges, the Comcast phone ranges. But we do see actually normal users actually 
traffic going through data center um, IP address as well because um, they use corporate VPNs, they use anonymized proxies. Not all of them are actually bad. So it's it's really challenged um, to differentiate um, that the, the case that attackers using the data center, the hosting service versus normal users actually using it. We, we need techniques actually to differentiate these two. And so looking back over the past year or so, what, what has surprised you? What have, have you learned anything unexpected? I think the most um, surprising uh, factor to us was actually two-factor authentication. I think um, we as security researchers always think the two-factor authentication is great and then, um, it can defeat many of the, um, the attacks, which is true. I think two-factor authentication is still, uh, I would highly advocate everybody actually enable two-factor authentication. But um, from what we are seeing in the wild, some of our clients are actually mobile only, and you can only use it after SMS verified. Even so, uh, we see a lot of attackers actually are going around about the two-factor authentication. They use cheap phone cards, and they use some like uh, um, prepaid phone ranges to verify the account if they really want to. And then they sometime in the in the in the extremes case they even hijack cell towers to make the fake SMS messages. So that's really surprise to us um, that actually uh, attackers go the extra miles to get um, the the account verified and they use all kinds of uh, uh, techniques to do that. Wow! And just out of curiosity, uh, how is the the um, fingerprint identification working out? That like Apple's been using that, for instance, is that is that helpful? Or... Yeah, sure. That actually is a, a, a similar. It's a, even a stronger than two-factor authentication. The problem of that is actually not um, not everybody actually want to enable that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in if you uh, in US, if you talk to online service provider and t- unless the service provider really say you cannot uh, uh, use my service un- unless you enable two-factor authentication. The adoption rate is actually very low. It's usually single digit, and in many cases even lower than 1% wow. of the, uh, the, 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 yeah, it, it depends on um, what kind of app and how how much the, um, the app can enforce user because it does actually affect the, um, the user experience. Hmm, interesting. And so kind of shifting gears just a little bit, um, you and your team have been doing security work in China as well. Um, how do the security concerns between the U.S. and China compare and differ? Um, that's an interesting question. And then we do see a lot of attacks and also do target both U.S. and China um, uh, kind of uh, online services because um, I think these are the largest population <laughs> in the world. There are a lot of end users behind it. And then we we see some of many of the attacks are actually global. They attack both sides of the, um, the online service. But um, however, we notice some difference in terms of the landscape, especially in terms of how products are designed against foster and how end users' perspective. So um, in U.S., as mentioned, um, the um, the online service um, are designed more like user-friendly. And so there's less friction and less restriction on the two-factor authentication unless it's a bank client. Um, and also, um, the, the policies are actually more like consumer friendly. For example, if um, someone's credit card got hacked and then there's some um, fraudster actually using it, the credit card company take the hit and they will refund the consumer, which is uh, great. But in China, uh, stories are a little bit different. Um, so not all of the, um, the bank accounts. First, there are not a lot of credit cards, so many people actually directly use a bank account or Alipay. 
And then, um, so the end user actually take more responsibility in terms of fraudulent usage on their um, uh, bank accounts. So if you ever purchase something in China on e-commerce, it's actually user experience, I would say is a lot worse. There are a lot of like two-factor authentications when you place an order, when your um, bank account about to um, getting uh, deducted. So there are a lot more two-factor authentication enabled there. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is uh, mostly caused by the, the, the policies and how um, actually everybody actually is educated about the fraud. I think fraud there is a little bit higher as well. Right. And so is fraud having a bigger impact on the economy in China, maybe, do you think? Um, I think because of everybody is so aware of the fraud, if you look at the uh, fraud rate of um, uh, like um, here in the average like um, um, online service, the credit card chargeback rate versus um, in China, most of the payment actually goes to Alipay. The Alipay's fraud rate is actually way lower mm. than um, than the, um, the the US. I think it's um, mostly because of the two-factor authentication. It actually requires a lot of two-factor authentication. Right, right. And so just out of curiosity, what made you start Datavisor? How did that how did that come about? <laughs> I um I work with uh, my co-founder Inlian at the Microsoft Research for over 7 um uh, years to t- protect many of the Microsoft online services. And uh, we were both researcher at the time and then because we are researcher we had the luxury actually to work with different online services we have different um uh, kind of uh, uh, product teams within Microsoft to defend their um, online service. We see a lot of fraud going on uh, because Microsoft was pretty big and uh, it's a target of many fraudsters. And and to, after the seven years, we we kind of um, um, we think our expertise actually can help many other um, uh, uh, smaller uh, maybe like online service which they cannot afford so many researchers and so many dedicated um, effort to protect the service. And also um, at Microsoft, we kind of build like um, customized solutions to each uh, different one. So we build kind of point solutions for different online services. And after seeing enough of these, we feel um, the attackers actually, um, the, the t- techniques they use are very common. And there's underground economy, as I mentioned there, people are specializing in like uh, creating accounts, someone specializing in account takeover, et cetera. So um, there are a lot of commonality about different um, attacks, even then, even though the, the end and display might be different. Some do spamming, some do phishing, but in the end, it's all account issues. So that's why uh, we feel the need there and, and we feel our expertise can help and then we want to build something general. That's why we left Microsoft and we want to build a general solution which can help different online services to, to address um, the, the account issue. And that's how we start. Oh, that's interesting. And so what's your long-term mission? What's your long-term goal with Datavisor? Yeah, we want to reduce the fraud and then uh, we want to build a better ecosystem online. I think it's now it's a little bit hard for the online service really to distinguish a request coming from legitimate users versus uh, fraudsters. We want them, we want our service to actually help these online service providers to better distinguish the, the, the legitimate users versus the fraudsters and detect the fraudsters even before they um, conduct malicious activities. That's what we want to detect these sleeper cells there when they're sleeping. <laughs> right. um, we, we want to detect those, yes. 
Right. And so just one more question um, along the line of the, the fraudsters and how they they, they seem to, to keep changing their methods of attack. Every time we come up with something like two-factor authentication, they find some way to go around that. What do you think some of the long-term, like the holistic solutions are? Like, are we looking at security in the right way right now? Yeah, I think that's also the um, the the thought that we want to um, build the data visor is actually we want to stay ahead of the curve. We do not want to build like a point solution that actually looking at what the attacker is doing now and then have a a, a patch on it and then uh, we we move on and they. It's a cat and mouse game. We want to build something that is general and then we want to stay ahead of game. When they start to doing something or even before they start doing something, we want to use data analytics and looking at the behavior of these um, all kinds of different attack activities and among with the normal users and really extract these act- activities by using the big data analytics um, uh, methods to do that. I think that's what we want want to go ahead. And we, of course, I think, as I mentioned, the attackers have a lot of advanced um, techniques right now, and they can go through two-factor authentications. Um, they can uh, have like data centers. They have a lot of advanced techniques. So that's why I think for um, for us, we, we also want to use the latest technologies and um, to build the systems that they actually cannot evade. Because in the end, if you look at the attacker's behavior, they need to actually um, have the, the ways to, uh, I think most of these attackers are financially driven. They need to actually wait, they have a goal to get there to actually um, either do fake reviews, do uh, money transfers. We want to build systems that actually can detect these things early on. Hmm. Fascinating. It's so hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think also needs a lot of efforts. That's why we actually helping a lot of like online services. Even they have um, internal teams, but we offer kind of both like um, expertise in uh, like uh, uh, defending of, against these for many different uh, uh, services because we see the global trend and we see the frontier of how the attackers are actually attacking different online services. That's why we, we hope that we can offer specialties in, to the online service, even they have like internal team fighting for that. And mm-hmm. we also see global telemetry as well. Right, right. Well, I want to close our conversation today with a question I've been asking everybody lately. Um, what and or who is inspiring you today? And so as I'm a technology person, I'm always um, inspired by uh, new technologies coming and also the company actually focuses on technologies. Um, if you look at the um, technology companies, like um, I, I was inspired by Microsoft a lot. I was employees there. There are a lot of things Microsoft did to change the world. We have the Windows, we have the Office, and then uh, we have Apple products, and then we have Google search engine. So these all imp- inspired me a lot. And then recently, I think I'm also intrigued by the self-driving car, the deep learning technologies, etc. So I think I'm constantly imp- inspired by all kinds of advanced technologies. And I that's also inspired me to want to build something grand, something big, that we can we hope we can change the online uh, anti-fraud detection uh, community. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Fang. This has been fun. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, uh, and then thanks for inviting me. And it's uh, fun talking to you as well. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Courtney Nash. Jen is at Jen Webb. And Fang Yu can be reached at Datavisor.
You can subscribe to the Security Podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. Mm-hmm.